0: Right, we'll get going then with this third podcast. Welcome to episode three of Hashtag More Than A Job podcast, hosted by Anchor FM. I'm Mike Bradford.
1: Jay Ollerton. And I'm Daniel Bull.
0: Tonight, we are talking about GCSEs, whether or not they should be scrapped, or whether they are they fit for purpose. And we've got our first special guest on the show, Chris Newman, who is the Head of Quality of Education for real education an independent company based in the east midlands along the m1 corridor welcome chris
2: thanks mike nice to see you
0: so let's get kicked off with our first topic then are gcse's fit for purpose should they be scrapped what should we do with them james
3: 10 years ago gcse's were fine they did the job because the courses that needed examination had the examination content and the courses that didn't need the examination content that were vocational in study had their element as well however since that 10 years now it's become that every single course needs to be examined and that's just not right for every student who's sitting qualifications so yeah does it potentially need to be scrapped maybe dan you've once again you've got quite a few comments on twitter do
0: you want to bring them in now or do you want to shall we hear your opinion on it dan
1: it's interesting. I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking, very much obviously a, a fan of getting the qualification at the end and actually bringing in some of our, our colleagues from Twitter. Sue O'Malley said GCSEs are a fantastic opportunity to showcase what the kids know and what the kids can do. She said her son got top A-level grades uh, centre assessed awarded grades this time round but she said her son didn't feel that same sense of pride and so I am a fan of of having the qualifications at the end of it because it is that it is a tangible way of the kids showing what they can do. I think first of all I don't think that the qualifications have actually moved with the other reforms that have
2: happened so for example compulsory education now to year 18 so why we're still going at 16 is a question that you know, could be addressed a little bit better I don't think it's also moved with modern society I think the big biggest thing with GCSE that they don't go without young people are wide anymore you know when we we all first started teaching you know you could sit some of your exams at the end of year 10 you know you could you could do coursework that contributed towards you know towards the final outcome as well but now it's everything is riding pretty much on that last you know if you got if you're doing history for example you got you know 3 hour 6 hours three lots of 2 hour exams to sort of sit and show what you've done over those over those two years And like when in in your adult life and your working life, have you ever been made to sit in a room a metre apart from other people riding on that end result? You never think to yourself, I'll do all this and I'll get to that end point and that'll be that. You've got got benchmarks and timelines and everything that kind of works towards it. So I, I think that kind of the way they're working currently, they haven't moved with that level of reform, I think, that's happened.
0: Chris you work with with some challenging young people how suitable are GCSEs for the kind
2: of kids that you work with it depends i think the one different biggest difference i've noticed to working where i what i do now is that we, it's all very personalized and we can be we can you know we've got that we've got that flexibility to be able to look at the young person and put them on a provision that he, he's kind of needed so we just look at the needs of the young person in particular
0: James you teach RS and obviously that's a, a GCSE subject how would you feel then having you know, your your expertise as a teacher over 15 years, how would you feel if all that was thrown into the pan and then something new came in? Would you welcome that or would you feel that something had been taken away from you?
3: To be honest, with you I'd welcome the change. I mean, I first started teaching in as and I was head of a department in a school where course was compulsory for every child to take. You know, a GCSE in R E was not the right qualification for a third of the kids in the school. We took the ASDAN, the old Coke level two and we turned that into an RE qualification. So we took the specification, we mapped it against what the Bishop's Conference of England and Wales needed, so that effectively they were learning the curriculum that was required, but doing that with creating PowerPoint, leading a presentation, doing something out in the community, you know, doing a report on something they've watched in racism, all those different things that they needed to do, key skills they needed to learn. And actually, I'd say that a lot of those students were coming out with a much rounded understanding of the curriculum area than those doing the GCSE, because the one thing we weren't having to do is to teach to the exam. I noticed that when we picked up our A-level, the one thing that we had an issue with, the kids couldn't do extended writing. Why not? Because we taught it out of them in order to be able to pass the exam. Just to play devil's advocate,
1: well, don't you think GCSEs actually are a great chance to deliver and to prove skills with the kids that are away from the subject, such as retention of knowledge, organisation, discipline, working towards a goal and having that perseverance to work for something over a period of two years, perhaps giving them that additional focus... And GCSEs are the same across all schools. That then surely does make it fair, accessible and the same for everybody, doesn't it?
0: Having a little look in one or two of the, uh, the newspapers and the press, Andrew Halls, he's head teacher of King's College School in South West London. He says scrapping GCSEs is going to be absolutely the wrong idea. He says trying to combine vocational training with academic qualifications would create a muddle. He says this country's record in vocational qualifications is poor. So obviously a view from an independent school, maybe not a surprising view. But then if we go back to uh, the Education Select Committee, Robert Halfen, who's the chair of that, he's described GCSEs as pointless. So there's a real muddle, isn't there? Real muddled thinking on this at the moment and a real range of thinking. We're on Anchor FM. This is hashtag more than a job we're talking about whether GCSE should be scrapped if you've got any views please tweet us hashtag more than a job Dan what else have people been
1: saying on Twitter Go back to one of our regular contributors Miss Hudson she does like the idea of the standardized test she, she's perfectly happy with that but is also just now questioning whether or not it's a good thing to cram everything into that two to three week window between the end of May and June that puts an awful lot of pressure on. Perhaps the examination window could be reconsidered. Bronte Hobson-Scott says, "'It always feels like a rush to the finish line, yet year seven and eight are sort of left in the ether quite a lot.' And David Nautilus, who contributed last week as well, said that exam conditions are unhelpful for accuracy." We also had a comment on Twitter from Mr A underscore CPD who talked about how he wanted to see more reform to the curriculum to bring more life skills and attributes well-being etc into the curriculum which ties into something that I tweeted about on the 25th of September last year where when we were discussing reforming key stage three started the discussion on whether we should be reporting on skills that their subject requires e.g. what skills they've got as a young historian, as a young geographer etc as opposed to just their raw test scores this week there was an article in the mail online by henry martin discussing how peter hyman who was a former aide to tony blair is setting up a free school thomas's battersea in which they are now running where parents can opt into gcse's if they want to but as a default rule they don't have gcse's
0: with if we were going to replace them what what would you want to see put in there
1: well i think part of
2: the problem is we're only we're only discussing it from a, an educator's point of view, and, and what from my sort of experience over my whole career, I, I always see that there's a huge gap between what happens in what happens in schools and what actually is needed in in wider society and you know going into the into the jobs market. There's not enough there's not enough links between between business between you know the needs of the economy, the needs of society, and what actually is being assessed and what is actually happening within you know within schools itself. It's it's got to be in my view more of more cohesive with what the needs are beyond it, beyond the destination just thinking um
0: just thinking of something that's been in the news recently the classic viral hanforth parish council meeting <laughs> with uh with jackie weaver the legend that is jackie weaver but the significant lack of communication skills between about at least three quarters of those councillors who should be responsible who should know how to communicate with each other a lot better? Thankfully, our our um, our podcast now hasn't descended into the same level of argument, which I'm, gr- I'm grateful for. You know, I'd I'd like to see communication skills because if you think about a lot of jobs, you know, anything you do, and a lot of high-paying jobs revolve on being able to work with people and persuade people and talk properly to people, and that's not something that the, the, the traditional curriculum looks at. Please get in touch with us on Twitter hashtag more than a job. Our greatest moments in teaching. Dan, tell us what the Twitter sphere has been saying on this.
1: David Nautilus, a regular regular contributor, he sent me a link to one of his blogs that he posted a while ago when he was at a school he worked at. They were in special measures, and he was driving to work on day two of the Ofsted inspection. He'd already had some indications that they were going to be moving to good, but he didn't quite know what to do with that information. And he said as he drove to work in the total quietness of the morning, the feeling of relief just came over him completely. And he stopped and he wept because he felt that the community are going to be so happy. And this was such a boost for his local community as well as people. Miss Hudson, again, regular contributor, she had a message for one of her students this week, and they said, I've been given this website link and wanted to write a message to the teacher that we are most grateful for. Thank you, Miss. Thank you, Miss, for doing so much for our class. You put so much effort and enthusiasm into your lessons, which makes me want to learn history even more. What's
0: your greatest story in teaching, James? If you've got one, or knowing you, James, you've probably
3: got several. Shall we hear them? It was only my second year of teaching, and I've been given a rather difficult GCSE group. They've been difficult from day one. I don't think anybody else really wanted them. There was 38 in my class. And when they were all in, two of them used to have to sit on the cupboards down the side because they didn't have enough seats in the classroom. So anyway, I had this girl in the class and I won't say her obviously. And all she used to do was doodle and I couldn't get her to do any writing, just couldn't get her to do anything at all. And then it dawned on me halfway through the year that actually she wasn't doodling. What she was doing, she was drawing pictures of the topic and she was an amazing artist and she was drawing a picture and a picture every single double lesson, a double lesson I had, was a picture of the topic. And actually within that was all of her revision. And when the results came out, she got a C. The best that she could have got, old grade C. And she got it. She came up to me and she was so happy with the C grade she got. She, she would have got an A star, but she, she,
0: drew, all, she, drew, the, uh, she drew the answers <laughs> to the exam in the actual exam paper. Chris, you've got experience in, in obviously mainstream and, and alternate provision. What what are your greatest successes in school? What are your greatest stories?
2: I think it's those uh, experiences that go beyond the curriculum, like they, like you know, kids taught thousands of kids over over the years, and you know they're they're not really going to remember your lessons, you know, sort of vividly. But it's those you know going on trips and you know working in where, where we worked. It was quite a disadvantaged you know area. You know there wasn't a lot of money. Being able to help fund you know kids' places coming on trips. Like I remember one in particular, we fund uh, help fund a, a place for a lads come on a Berlin trip. You know, with us, which is an experience that we never would have been able to have with you. So I don't think you'd ever sort of been out of the country. We had
0: was that Berlin trip, if I remember correctly, I might be the wrong I know you did several trips to Berlin, but didn't you organize a trip to Berlin on the weekend of the Berlin half marathon? <laughs> and didn't all the kids get stranded on one side of the road or something as the half marathon came across? Yeah,
2: you? yeah sort of. There's a, so there's a teacher in the in said history department, which we won't name for, for legal reasons, Mike, but I think you know what I'm going to be talking about decides that, like, that's not good enough for our trip. Um, So he decided to to kind of, like, almost act like a a lollipop lady, if you like, and sort of stood in the middle of the road to get about 20 of our kids across the road, stopped the Berlin Marathon, got in the way of, you know, people that had been training for months and months and months. And, yeah, I remember just stood on the side with... I just thought it was hilarious, but but the people that were already
1: around him didn't.
2: Dan, what's what's your greatest moment in teaching?
1: I concur completely with Chris about the the experiences beyond the curriculum and one of the things I've just scribbled down is rugby and I'm very very thankful first of all to a good friend of mine and former colleague Will Bennett who's director of rugby for a school in the West Midlands who introduced me to the rugby scene and he's put an awful lot of time and effort into it and it would be probably unfair to pick one particular moment, but what that school and then the staff who've supported it have been able to do with predominantly boys, the the girls have got a big netball scene, but the boys in the rugby scene coming from working class estates, coming from tough backgrounds and giving them opportunities to travel, not just the UK, but Will Bennett has taken groups to South Africa and to Canada, which is absolutely phenomenal. And being part of the whole rugby setup at that academy is fantastic because you get to see the lads in in so many different ways, getting to see them taking on their own battles, their own struggles. Kids kids follow people, don't they?
3: They don't follow subjects and rules. They follow people. A colleague of mine who, who left school, she was ahead of year. And when she left her entire year group followed her out of the school. Girls were crying, lads were, the lads were clapping. They were clapping and they were cheering her. She hasn't been here that long, but what a difference that teachers made to those kids' lives.
1: In fairness, James, Trunchbull was clapped and cheered out as she, uh, <laughs> as she left Crunchham. So it's maybe not a measure of success. <laughs> I
2: was gonna say that that little anecdote just reminded me of the last episode of Saved by the Bell, Mr. Belding, leading the <laughs> leading everyone out. What advice would you give to NQTs, you know, in order
0: to have lots of great moments in teaching? What what kind of things do great teachers put into the job that get these great moments out? I'll put you under pressure, James, because you've always got an answer. So what, what would you if you were talking to an NQT now, what and advising them, what would you say?
3: Don't be afraid to be reflective. Don't always assume that the mistake you've made is the worst mistake you'll ever make. And don't always think that you've taught the perfect lesson. Always be reflective in it. So, someone who said it to me when I was doing my um, teacher training. So when you get in the car at the end of the day, don't start the engine until you can think of something that happened in that day to make you smile.
0: I think, I think I'd be sitting in the car park all evening on, on some, some <laughs> of the... So I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be there. Dan, what's, what, what advice would you give?
1: My advice would be work beyond the classroom, something as I've alluded to earlier on, those extracurricular clubs, get involved, invest that time with the students. Another plug back to you know a, a good friend and a former colleague, Will Bennett, he, he truly showed me the way on that and how important it was. And the greatest moments will come from that investment outside of the classroom and in turn will bring it back within the classroom as well.
0: Chris Newman, you are our special guest. Chris Newman joining us from Real Education in the East Midlands. What advice would you give to an NQT to have lots of great moments in teaching?
2: I just don't take it personally. I think people can sometimes get a bit, you know, hooked in on, yeah, if they've had a bad day, which we all have, you know, we all uh, st- still make mistakes now. You still have bad days and come away, but you just don't take it personally. They're just, you know, these are young people trying to find their way in the world. You know, without trying to sound too woolly. But they are, and, and you know they're going to make mistakes, and they'll they'll treat you, you know, not how you want to be treated sometimes. But it's not it's not personal to you necessarily. So just yeah, if you if you take the sometimes take the emotion out of it, you know when it's when it's not going, just just take the positives, you know, just 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 to take the wins all the time, and then just learn like James James said, you know, learn from the learn from new mistakes. Never try and stop learning. That's the key. There's always something you can pick up off somebody, and and also like you, you know as you go through the ranks, you know James just said as well about you know, kind of, there's always someone in the school that you can learn from and that means you know not necessarily someone who's been teaching for 20 years beyond you. Yeah you can learn from people coming through as well and that's you know they're the ones with the, the fresh new ideas and always used to try and do that in department meetings is take you know, take on make sure the NQTs have got a voice yeah encourage them to encourage them to, to participate and it, contribute.
0: It's like they often say don't they you, you know you go to the NQTs to learn the new things because they they are full of ideas. And you know, we're so lucky actually to have so many great NQTs coming through. If you know an NQT, get them in touch with us. Hashtag more than a job. We might be able to help them in their teaching career. Chris Newman, thanks very much for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll see you again in the future. Thanks very much to uh, to Dan and James. Good
2: evening. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: You are absolutely welcome. And we'll have another episode out in the next couple of days. Thanks for listening to Anchor FM and hashtag more than a job.